Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Yo, Joe, how are you today? Doing well, Dan-O, doing well. <laughs> what the heck was that? You all excited? What is it, the State of the Union? You're all stoked oh, about the State wait, of the Union I'm address really. today? It's going to be a late night I for think. me. Yeah, I got to stay up late and watch all this and then do some commentary afterwards. So uh, stay tuned. Be on Fox late tonight. Don't miss that. Um, all right. I got a really stacked show for you today. Today, I woke up with a uh, thought in my head, Joe, about liberalism gone bad. Uh, so many different liberal myths collapsed yesterday. It's kind of hard to keep track of them all. And also, if you listen to yesterday's show where I covered the Trump Tower meeting and that guy, Renat Akhmetshin, the Russian intelligence guy that showed up, what happened yesterday? BuzzFeed pops a story out about the Russian that showed up at the Trump Tower meeting, which says to you at home, something's going on there. Maybe somebody's listening something's to our show. On. All right. Today's show brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, they do. I know that this it's like Apple research for them, you know, let the show prep begin for the liberals. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Open Fit. Open Fit is bringing you something new that makes it easier to never miss a workout, a sweat session. Get busy. Lose those pounds, put on that muscle. Lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you. Open Fit takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's brand new. It's super simple streaming device that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes. My wife uses this. It's terrific. Everybody's bodies are different and Open Fit gets that, which is why it is personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content. They have amazing trainers and classes Open Fit classes are led by some of the best trainers in the world. Sculpt your body with Andrea Rogers, founder of the worldwide sensation Extend Barre, or get in crazy good shape with Hunter McIntyre, named Sports Illustrated, one of the top 50 fittest athletes. These trainers know how to get results. It's super simple. Forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit. You can work out on your own schedule. Access it anywhere, anytime. View it on your computer, your web-enabled uh, TV, your tablet, smartphone, and Roku. And there's results you can see. Lose up to 15 pounds in the first 30 days. Flatten your abs, shape your body, look and feel great. Open Fits changed the way we work out here. And using my code DANB, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use my code DANB and start using Open Fit today. Right now, during the, uh, uh, the Open Fit 30-day challenge, my listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to Open Fit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days. You will, you stick to it. When you text Dan B to thirty thirty thirty, text Dan B to three zero three zero three zero. Get that thirty day free trial membership. You get full access to Open Fit, all the workouts and nutrition information, totally free. Just text Dan B to thirty thirty thirty. All right. So uh, first, on the State of the Union, we'll see that tonight. Just uh, quickly on that, uh, I expect a a full throated defense of uh, the Donald Trump's proposals for a border wall. Uh, and we'll see what happens. McConnell's already uh, firing back at Trump on the foreign policy. Trump, Mitch, uh, on the foreign policy front, um, and on the on the border wall emergency declaration. Which, just to be clear, I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the emergency declaration uh, because it would give power to Democrats in the future. We know they'll abuse, but we'll see what happens um, with this. And and I'm hearing through the grapevine, folks. That the Democrats' uh, grand bargain, if they want to make any bargain with Trump, is going to be the exchange of significant tax hikes for some infrastructure spending. Um, I hope and pray the president does not take this deal. Tax hikes would be uh, 
a surefire way to uh, uh, just an election loss in 2020. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's even considering that. Just to be candid, but I'm hearing through the grapevine that that's the deal the Democrats are going to make. You want infrastructure spending? We're going to require a tax hike. Uh, so I hope he's not even uh, considering that. That would be uh, an absolute disaster. Okay, moving on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I've told you a long time ago since the inception of the show and throughout, it's been a constant evergreen theme, just the disgrace that the mainstream media has become. And I mean it. It gives me no pleasure in saying that. I will uh, vigorously defend the, the day I pass from this earth and hopefully, hopefully meet my maker. The right to a free press. We need a free press. We need a fair press. And even if the press is unfair, Um, There is no government solution to that. There is a market solution, and you're seeing it right now based on the number of people in the United States who align with conservative, libertarian, or Republican values who completely write off the mainstream media. But my point here, Joe, is I will always defend the free press, even their right to be stupid, because the Constitutional Republic requires it even when they act unethically and immorally. Why am I bringing this up now? You know... Whenever I say things like, well, what about when Obama did this or what about when the Washington Post did this or what about when the New York Times did that? Inevitably, I'll get tweets and emails from liberals who will say, you're just engaging in whataboutism. Um, Yes, we are. (laughs) Joe, that's not none of this is in dispute. Joe and I do whataboutism all the time. Do you know why? Because what are we saying? What about we're asking what about principles, folks? We're asking you, the people who claim this is whataboutism, we're asking you for a coherent set of principles. We should all be, as, as, a, as a constitutional republic, we should all understand. Uh, again, I'm mentioning this because the Washington Post that ruthlessly, recklessly harassed Brett Kavanaugh, now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, harassed him over unproven, allegations of a sexual assault years ago while he was in high school with no evidence to corroborate this at all. Matter of fact, Joe, they had anti-evidence, the Washington Post. Joe, you remember the story well. We covered it on the show. The ratings for that show were phenomenal because people, I think, were so offended at what happened. It's not just that Kavanaugh, the evidence of the sexual assault was light. There was anti-evidence. The people, the accuser herself, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, claimed were there who witnessed it, said they didn't know anything about it. In other words, her her witnesses, not Kavanaugh's, her mm-hmm. witnesses that there may have been this assault said, said the exact opposite, that we don't know this. We don't know anything about this. We, we don't remember this incident. There was anti-evidence. Yet the Washington Post, what about the Washington Post? Yeah, you're darn right. What are their principles? So, Joe, according to the Washington Post, when it's a Republican nominee for the Supreme Court because they love to attack mm-hmm. Republicans, their standards for running with a story are what, Joe? A simple accusation is yeah. enough, correct? I mean, no, no. Uh, that, I'm not, we're no, not going out on a limb yeah. here, right? The story was run. There was no evidence. Matter of fact, there was anti-evidence, and the Washington Post right. ran with it anyway. Well, what happened yesterday? Well, Joe, in this Northam case, the governor of Virginia in deep trouble for the blackface uh, Ku Klux Klan photo that appeared in his yearbook mm-hmm. on his page, the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, apparently back in 2004, where it was an allegation of a, of, of, a, of a sexual assault against him that the Washington Post knew about a year ago yes. from an actual accuser, Joe, who, unlike the case of Dr. Ford, 
had very specific details about this sexual assault against the Democrat lieutenant governor of Virginia. He wasn't the lieutenant governor when the alleged assault happened. But you get oh, my yeah, point, Joe. The accuser came forward, had very, I know you, <laughs> very specific details about what happened, when it happened, where it happened. And yet the Washington Post did not run with the story. So when you say whataboutism, I say I proudly wear the whataboutism mantle because I'm simply asking you in, a, in this never-ending boxing match of ideas, are we both fighting with the same set of rules? Are the Washington Post's rules for attacks on Republicans, no evidence is required. Matter of fact, anti-evidence is required before we run with the story. But when it's an attack on a Democrat, not only is good evidence that's brought forward that this may have happened, not good enough, but because it's a Democrat, we're not going to run the story Welcome at all. To subjective Now, law. let me be clear, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let yeah. me be clear with you and everyone else here. I have no problem with the Washington Post not running with the Justin uh, Fairfax, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Democrat story because they felt it may have been thinly sourced and the evidence may not have been there. Fine. Good. Again, I will always fight for a free press. That's not my problem with this story. I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form. Tell me, Joe, is the audience ombudsman? Tell me you're clear on this. I am not suggesting the Washington Post should put its credibility at risk by running with stories they're not comfortable with. I'm simply suggesting maybe they should apply that same standard to Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. I'll wait for the Washington Post's full retraction, by the way, of the Kavanaugh stories they ran. What aboutism is real? What about the rules? We can't be in a boxing match of ideas where the referee allows one side to go bare knuckle and bring a baseball bat in the ring, and yet the other side has to wear twenty ounce glo- twenty ounce gloves and, and is fighting by uh, you know old uh, the old standard boxing rules. Of course, that's not going to work. The press is supposed to be the referee. They're not. You know, liberals, I know you're going to gaff this, so I know it. I know you listen to my show again. I get your emails. I appreciate you being here. Some of you actually are very nice. I will say that, folks. A small, most Sadly, most of the emails are nasty from liberals, but some of them are nice. They say, hey, I don't necessarily agree with you, but what you say made sense. I'm just asking you seriously. Let's put aside the hostility for a minute. And I get it. I'm a passionate guy. I know sometimes I can be a little aggressive on these topics, too. But I'm just asking you seriously for a moment. Is it fair that that happened to Brett Kavanaugh under a standard of evidence that we can all agree was just not there? There was no evidence produced this happened other than an allegation. And we were told by Democrat Senator Maisie Hirono, women need to be believed. Okay, well, why wasn't the woman in the the Democrat case with Justin Fairfax believed? I'm just asking you what the rules are. Is that not a fair question? Certainly. Thank you. Certainly. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. No, I just, I, I, it's just very frustrating to me. You know, the liberalism just drives me nuts. You know, it's crazy. Um, listen, I got a lot to get to, so let me move on. I want to get this other story. I usually don't post articles um, from left-leaning outlets like NBC News um, and others, but there's a very good piece I have in the show notes today. Even though it's slanted, it kind of one point goes off about global warming and all this other uh, stuff. Uh, I strongly encourage you to read it. I, I, I listen. I do this sparingly because I don't like giving them the clicks. They are clearly not our friends in this 
in this battle to get information. Uh, the media, as I just said, are, are biased most of the time, especially the left wing, uh, the, the left leaning media. But the NBC news piece is about the growing dangers of the collection of big data and how privacy is irrelevant. But I want to I want to take it in a in a direction it goes. But um, I think it misses a little bit. The the lead in the piece is basically this, ladies and gentlemen. Your privacy doesn't matter anymore. Okay, uh, your privacy meaning your 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 personal, your social security number, your home address. Um, that stuff is largely uh, useless uh, to these the Facebook type companies and Google these these aggregators of data because what they can do is they can build models about around your behavior that make the specifics of who you are irrelevant. Joe, if this doesn't make sense, again, stop me. But the gist of the piece is this. I don't need to know Joe Armacost's name, his address, or his social security number, his private intimate data, if I can predict how Joe Armacost is going to act based on some of his web behavior. In other words, Joe, a targeted ad gets sent to you about a boot company you like. You buy those boots. I know Joe likes mm-hmm. motorcycles. So all that, you know what I'm saying? And they, how do I know that? Joe reads maybe, I don't know, HarleyDavidson.com. I don't know what it is. But they can tell based on Google and Facebook, based on your behavior on these platforms, they can create a model of Joe Armacost, like a stick figure of Joe Armacost, where they can predict what Joe Armacost is going to do without disclosing who Joe Armacost personally is. Make yeah. sense? Yeah. Oh, I get them all the time, man. Now, yeah, I, I know. And, it, and, and, and inside the piece, they talk about interesting little tidbits there, like how, how everybody believes Facebook is listening to them on the phone, which I, I'm telling you, I'm still convinced because you'll be on Facebook. Like, I just bought some boots from this Thursday boot company. They're really, really great boots, right? And all of a sudden, like, I was talking about it, and boom, there, there are these ads that appear. So everybody's convinced that's happening. But in the piece, the guy says, they don't need to listen in on you, that they have such intimate models of your behavior that they can send things to you. And I thought about something, Joe, you and I have brought up on this mm-hmm. show quite a bit, the Bertrand Russell turkey problem, how this mm. is going to create a massive problem in the future, this aggregation of, collected, uh, of collective mm-hmm. data. And when I say collective data, again, I mean it doesn't need to have Joe's name on it. All they need to do is have a model of Joe's behavior. Here's the turkey problem. How big data is going to cause a lot of problems in the future we didn't have in the past. The data was relatively segmented, you know, 100 years, even 50 Mm -hmm. years ago, um, localized to the community. Before the advances in the Internet, data couldn't travel around the world. Um, as quickly as it can now. Of course, there was mail and telephones and even telegraphs earlier than that. But the, the transmission of data around the world pre-internet, Joe, was yeah. very slow. And it made it very difficult and time-consuming to aggregate that data to make it useful. A good example is the housing crisis. How everybody piled into these mortgage-backed securities because they could look at the data in live time instead of being able to look at the individuals who were actually paying those mortgages. You see what I'm saying, Joe? You know, Goldman, whatever, and all these other these these financial institutions find out that their competitors are buying up mortgage-backed securities, and you know, this guy's showing the data. And look, this is great. We're making all this money on it, but nobody thought to look at the data in isolation and see the individual people who are actually paying those mortgages, Joe, some of who bought homes they couldn't afford. Yes, sir. <laughs> but when the data was segregated into individual communities and the banker on your corner had to lend you the money for your house or your business, Joe, he brought your butt in that bank and he said, Joe Ormacost, show me what your assets are. Show me what your business plan is. That got lost in the collective (laughs) aggregation of data, similar to what's happening with Facebook and Google right now, absent individual identifiers. So you have the turkey problem. The turkey problem is this. 
these turkeys live on this farm, right? This is a Bertrand Russell special. Right. Uh, they live on this farm, and this farmer come now. Listen, the turkeys are going to be slaughtered, right, at the end of the year. But these turkey, <laughs> where did you get that from? The, yeah, the turkeys live on this farm. The turkey farm. Joe. Joe has actual live footage of the turkey farm. So they're on this turkey farm for a year, and every morning this farmer comes out, Farmer Jones. And he feeds these turkeys, and they get to play in the dirt, and they get to hang out with their buddies. So pre-internet, these turkeys think maybe 20 or 30 turkeys. They think they've got it great. But who are the only people who know about how great they have it on Farmer Jones' farm while they're being fed every day and they get to play? The turkeys on Farmer Jones' farm. Unless they're going to send a letter, 10,000 letters across, uh, you know, to 10,000 of their turkey friends. <laughs> Their information is delegated, uh, excuse me, relegated only to that individual population of turkeys. The internet revolution, Joe, however, enables those turkeys to post on Twitter and on emails to thousands of their friends at a time. No stamps necessary. This is the greatest place like a turkey vacation. Come on over. Farmer Jones feeds us. We get to play around every day. And for 364 days, turkeys start flying to this farm. This is great. Farmer Jones. And up to day three. And by day 365, Joe, after 365 emails around the world about how great the turkey problem is, what happens to all the turkeys? Boom. <laughs> Off with your heads. Off with your heads. French Revolution guillotine style. And those turkeys wouldn't have died if the turkeys couldn't have emailed their turkey friends about how wonderful the turkey farm was. The point is, collective data has its upsides. There's no doubt. I don't want to be a unnecessary pessimist here. Collective data is going to have tremendous benefits for health treatments, cancer treatments, selective cancer treatments. There is no doubt there's a big upside. The use of artificial intelligence, um, deep learning and artificial intelligence, there is an upside, and I don't want to be this 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 never-ending pessimist, but I brought this problem up before, and it's worth checking out in the NBC News piece, and I'm bringing it up in light of the current news about Facebook and others, which has been a constant problem. We're seeing a number of people, Senator uh, Kennedy and Klobuchar were on Martha McCallum last night talking about, you know, what is Facebook and what are Google doing with this data? This is one of those evergreen topics. And when I read it, I know my wife is fascinated by it. I just want you to understand that the transmission of data at light speed around the world, it's going now in such mass chunks of information to so many people can cause major disruptions as well because it can lead to a confirmation bias. Oh, look, the other guy's bargain more buying mortgage-backed securities. We should buy too. I'll leave it at this, though, because this is what the point I wanted to make. It's not just financially how it can cause a lot of problems like it did in the mortgage crisis. The, the wiping out of individual information in terms of a collective pool. It's also, Joe, going to be bad for our politics in terms of confirmation bias. Um, I, this is going to segue nicely to the next piece here, liberalism gone bad. Uh, but I got into a little Twitter thing this morning with a guy who, you know, he wanted to insult me on Twitter, which is fine, whatever. Do you, but I brought up a simple question on, uh, on Twitter this morning, Joe. I said, IQ test for liberals. Reagan cut the tax rate from 70% to 28%. The tax revenue go up or down after Reagan dramatically cut taxes. Well, the answer, most of you know, because you're listeners to the show, and we, Joe and I bring this up often, is tax revenue went up dramatically. Uh, matter of fact, it nearly doubled after Reagan cut the tax rate. Now, of course, the liberal couldn't answer that question. 
Uh, so started insulting me through a series. And I usually don't respond, but I, I responded to this guy because I knew what I was going to discuss on the show today, and I wanted to make a point. He doesn't know he was being set up. His name is like uh, Mike something. But you can see the exchange on my – I'm at the Bongino on Twitter, and I want you to look at what he says um, because it's really important. I was actually using him for a test experiment. This collective analyzing of data without individual identifiers, Joe, is pushing information to people – that they've only that they've seen before or similar types of information feed they've liked without any kind of ideological opposition. Right. And what I'm noticing, Joe, on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere is that it's hardening the liberal opposition to pure unadulterated facts. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. they are yeah. they're so gaslit. They have seen so much Huffington Post, Mother Jones, NPR nonsense about how the Reagan tax cuts caused the deficits, how tax cuts don't work, how the Trump economy is struggling. They've seen so much information and the collective data pool they have on this anonymous liberal has that has Facebook and Google doing what, Joe? The turkey problem, pushing more information to these people, which only confirms the information they've seen before. Right. Day 10, Farmer Jones is still feeding us. Day 364, Farmer Jones is still feeding us. Day 365, off with your head, turkey. Now, thankfully, there'll be no guillotine for people who do this. uh, But this is where you're getting this confirmation bias. And you see my point, Joe? This is why I think we're having this hardening of the debate on the liberal side where they are so completely immune to facts that it's they're so gaslit. It's almost pointless to argue with them. It's almost pointless. Now, you may say, well, Dan, you just made the opposite point. You just made the opposite point because this guy responded to a tweet he saw from you. Yeah, but they do that because some liberals do it just to troll. In other words, they follow me simply to to troll and respond in the negative, even though they know what I'm saying is right. Yeah. That tax revenue went up under Ronald Reagan's tax cuts is not a disputable fact. I mean, if you're an imbecile, it is. Tax revenue went up. Any moron can look it up. It's not complicated. (laughs) The fact that this guy chose not to do that speaks exclusively to the fact that he is calcified ossified he is totally completely gaslit and believes every liberal lie ever told to him and i believe it's due to the push effect and the turkey problem the fact that when you click on more npr stuff that's all you get and we are going to see more of this in the future be prepared i'm warning you all right i want to i have to get to this buzzfeed piece on on the trump tower thing because it's killer i'm telling you we are on to something i know it so uh stay tuned uh read here uh, life insurance is one of these. I'm like announcing now. Read here, read here. Well, life insurance is one of those topics <laughs> that everyone knows a little bit about. <laughs> I said because it was in my head, you know, oh. it's in my head, but it's in my head always comes out. I have very little. Filter. I have a good, less consolving story about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Oh, oh we have yeah. a less. God rest his soul. Oh, it's a great oh, listen, one. headline. Uh, headline. Yeah. Life insurance is one of those topics that everyone knows a little bit uh, about, but you don't know enough. You feel comfortable buying it? Do you understand it? Whether you're an insurance expert or a newbie, Policy Genius created a website that makes it easy for you to compare, uh, compare quotes, get advice, and get covered. It's super easy to use. I can't express to you enough how, how, how common sense and intuitive Policy Genius is. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance in minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Stop overpaying. 
Go to Policy Genius. From there, just apply online, and the advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company. No extra fees, no commission sales agents, just helpful advice, personalized service. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowners insurance, or auto insurance, they will help you out, Policy Genius. So no matter how much or how little you know about life insurance, go find the right policy in minutes at policygenius.com, policygenius.com, policygenius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right. So uh, convenient, Joe. Yesterday, you and I start talking about how the, the Trump Tower meeting between Don Jr. and these two Russians, which again is the bedrock of the liberal collusion narrative, um, how it was a setup. It's obvious to me at this point. The people that showed up were connected to the Clinton orbit. The lawyer was working for the company, paid by Hillary to gather negative information about Trump. I believe that was the purpose of the meeting. Um, and the other person that shows up, this Russian intel connected individual, Akhmetshin, also on the record, is also stated many times here, um, that he knows people in the Clinton space and he knows Kill, uh, Clinton herself, uh, Akhmetshin. Akhmetshin's lawyer is, is the husband of a former high-ranking Clinton staffer, this guy Edward Lieberman. Conveniently yesterday, Joe, I get a couple emails from people. Dan, Dan, you talked about Akhmetshin on your show, and look, BuzzFeed has a piece out. Listen, well, BuzzFeed probably was preparing this piece for a long time, to be candid. I'm, I was being a bit facetious when they said they did it in response to my show. They were probably writing this story for a long time. But this should tell you something, folks. They are desperate to rewrite the narrative because I believe this whole thing is about to collapse. The fact that this was a setup, an attempt to frame them, an obvious setup on the Trump team is going to come out. Um, it's going to come out soon. It's going to come out, I believe, when the documents are declassified by the Trump team. I believe that is the Trump card, you know, pun intended, that he's holding here, that this was an obvious setup. And Akhmetshin and Veselnitskaya, the two participants, Russians in that Trump Tower meeting, are the key to this whole thing. I go in depth about them in my book. That meeting is a, is a core focus of my book because I believe it's going to one day vindicate us all and show that this was all a setup. But what I find fascinating is the BuzzFeed piece is timed right around the time we find out that Don Trump Jr. did not, in fact, call his dad after the Trump Tower meeting. Remember, I discussed this yesterday, and the reason I'm bringing this up again today is it's important. BuzzFeed is trying to rewrite the narrative now because the whole liberal narrative were, was very simple, Joe. Russians met with Don Jr. at Trump Tower. Don Jr. then called his dad, and that was an effort to collude. Well, he didn't call his dad. Matter of fact, he cut the meeting short and left. The whole story's falling apart. BuzzFeed has to reframe the narrative has to reframe the collusion narrative. So what do they do? Conveniently, boom, they bounce with this piece. Um, I'm not even going to put it in the show. I'll sum it up, put it in the show notes, but I'll sum it up for you. The, the gist of the piece is this, that the Russian intel-connected guy, Akhmetshin, that shows up for the meeting, receives some suspicious payments after the election. But what's fascinating about the, the piece is they make no connection whatsoever to Trump. The payments they allege are from one guy whose wife may have known a Trump team, but the guy's a lobbyist. And the other payments he talks about in conjunction with um, him. And then they mention his lawyer, Lieberman. But what's fascinating about this is they never mention the fact that Akhmetshin's connected to the Clinton team and that his lawyer was the husband to a high-ranking staffer in the Bill Clinton administration. They never mention any of that. None of that is... It's fascinating. Read the piece. It is so indicative of the selective bias 
of media people. Well, BuzzFeed's not even media anymore. I think BuzzFeed, I think, Joe, you and I can agree, after the massive BuzzFeed disaster facepalm uh, story a couple weeks ago, BuzzFeed you can completely discount as a tabloid. But it's clear what they're doing here, Joe. They now have pretty hard evidence going forward that the collusion narrative based on the Trump Tower meeting is going to fall apart completely and that the participants that showed up were connected to the Clinton space. So to reframe the narrative about suspicious payments, then keep in mind, there are no Trump campaign officials who made any suspicious payments to this guy. None. None. And they mentioned that the guy's in business with his lawyer for a long time. Who's a Clinton? Uh, those the Clinton people. They don't mention any of that. It is If you want to Google it, just put Ahmed and BuzzFeed. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because it's, it's a stupid guilty, piece. Dude. You're just guilty. That's it. Uh, 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 but only if you're a Republican. <laughs> yes. if, you're, if you're a Democrat <laughs> yeah. and there's actual hard evidence you were involved in the setup, they completely leave all that stuff <laughs> yeah, out. True. So ridiculous. Uh. So it's really infuriating. All right. Um, so I woke up today with a, a little bug. Um, well, not a bug. I'm not sick. I didn't, didn't have bed bugs or anything. But uh, the bug to go forward on this liberalism gone bad. Because it was just yesterday was one of these days where so many liberal myths exploded at the same time that I thought, I really need to do this today. So uh, let, let's go down one by one. Uh, uh, first of all, I have a story in uh, Bongino.com and in the show notes today. Please subscribe to my email list and I'll email you all these good stories. Um, ben Sass a Nebraska senator who I've had a lot of disagreements with, but he did something pretty good uh, this week, and he needs to be applauded for it. He introduced a bill to get the Democrats on the record on the abortion issue. Now, the Democrats have lied to you for decades, telling you that it's not about abortion, it's about choice, it's about uh, safe, legal, and rare. It's not. The Democrats are no longer pro-choice, Joe. Um, They are pro-abortion. That is, it, It has become a sacrament in their party. So what did Ben Sass do, which was a really smart move? In response to the grotesque, disgusting, horrifying Governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam's comments um, on, 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 on basically infanticide, terminating the life of a birthed infant, he said, oh, we'll keep it comfortable. Yeah, like it's a child. We'll keep the child comfortable while we decide what to do. What do you mean decide to, to kill it? That's, uh, why are you being delicate about what you're going to do? Those comments horrified a lot of people. Even moderate Democrats, I believe, are are completely horrified at the reality of abortion. Now, what Northam's cardinal sin was, according to the left, Joe, is he discussed abortion in terms of what it really is. The Democrats always couch it, as I said, in terms of reproductive rights and everything else. So Ben Sass introduced a very common sense bill on the floor. And the bill said this, that if an infant survives the abortion procedure designed to terminate its life, that the infant should be given medical attention and basically be treated like a human being. You tracking, Joe? Is any of that confusing? They they try to terminate the life of an infant. The infant survives, and that infant should be given medical attention. You would think a bill like that would be voted on 100 to 0 in the Senate. If you're... You would think. Now, again, liberals are not pro-choice. They are now the pro-abortion crowd. Patty Murray, senator from your state of Washington, we have a lot of listeners in the state of Washington, your senator, Patty Murray, objected to this bill. 
Yes, object. She did not. She said, well, well, there are already protections in place. Clearly not based on Ralph Northam, governor of Virginia, Democrat, is uh, his, his horrifying appearance on WTOP, where clearly there's not protections in place. This, the Democrats are not pro-choice. They are pro-abortion. Just be honest. So we can have an intellectual, ideological back and forth and argue this case. We will support life. You support death. Just be candid about it. Read that story. It's on my website, Bongino.com. Again, in the show notes. Read it. It is disgusting. Secondly, another story. Uh, It's in the Wall Street Journal today. It's kind of isolated to, to, uh, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, Falmouth, Massachusetts. I may be saying it wrong. Um, but it's not, the story speaks to a bigger, larger liberalism gone bad, uh, hypocritical ethos they all live by. So in this uh, play, I think it's here, Cape Cod, they decided these, you know, left-leaning politicians over there, Joe, they thought it would be a good idea to put these two enormous wind turbines up, um, on their coastline there. Okay. You know, liberalism, wind, solar, Forget about things that actually work, nah. like natural gas and oil. Yeah, we don't we don't need any of that. Nah. Let's go with what doesn't work all the time. Wind, because the wind doesn't always blow, obviously. Um, and solar, because the sun's not always shining. But let's go with unreliable stuff. So these geniuses over there, they decided out there in this uh, place in Massachusetts, they were going to put up these wind turbines. So they, it took them $10 million to do it. $5 million of the money from the, 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 uh, the, lo- the residents, the citizens, and $5 million from a federal grant. Well, what happened, Joe? The local residents started coming down with headaches from the low-frequency thumping sound all the time. Uh, it turned into a total disaster. There were some, like, blinking lights and stuff based on the spinning of the turbines. People hated it, and their property values, Joe went down about 20% because no one wants to move to a place where they're going to get massive headaches all the time. So, just to be clear, liberalism is great. Environmental policy, I'm using air quotes, environmental policies, because they're not really environmental. They kill a lot of birds, and solar has to be reinforced by natural gas because the sun doesn't always shine. So it's not really environmental the way the libs want you to believe, Joe. But environmental policies are only cool, Joe, as long as they don't cost you money in your house. But when your house value, house's value goes down, then all of a sudden, rip those turbines down. Now, here's the great irony of liberalism gone bad. It cost them ten million. It's now going to talk, cost them one to two million to dismantle these turbines. Oh. The turbines never generated the revenue they thought they were going to generate. And as a condition of the five million dollar federal loan to put up the second turbine or the federal grant, they had to actually generate electricity from this electricity, which they're not going to do because mm-hmm. we're dismantling it. So they're trying to find another place to locate the turbine. To get back some of that federal grant money, so the citizens of that uh, of, of that that town in Massachusetts don't have to pay back the massive tax bill they've incurred from their faulty environmentalism. <laughs> nice job, Libs. Well done. Well done. Again, two thumbs up for liberalism. You guys and ladies are geniuses, aren't you? And those. Those things are bird blenders, man. I got to tell you, they really. Oh are. my gosh! They, 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 you, if you go to them when they're on land, there's collections, sadly, <laughs> of awful. dead birds underneath. It's, it's gross. It's really horrifying. But there's thirty-two thousand residents of that town. They're all going to have to pay for this folly. All right. Huh? <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's unbelievable, and it never ends. <sighs> Another story today in liberalism gone bad or mad. You can change the B for an M. It doesn't okay. matter. It's the same thing. <laughs> so Venezuela, interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal today about the utter, complete, and then, you know, Joe and I laugh a lot, but this is serious stuff. There it is. My wife, look it out. My wife, check her out. Producer Paul, headlines everywhere. Look at this. Mm-hmm. How Maduro, Nicolas Maduro, socialist, a savage tyrant in Venezuela who claims to be running the country, um, how he wrecked the Venezuelan oil industry. Mm-hmm. Socialism did this. Ladies and gentlemen, the piece is unbelievable. Do you know, Joe, Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. I did know that. The world. Yeah. Bigger than Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And they produce a tenth, a tenth of what Saudi Arabia produces. Because what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when socialism, one, if you have to know what socialism is, it is the government control of the means of production. In other words, the government comes in and takes over free market businesses, Mm -hmm. control the means of production. That's what socialism is. No such thing as democratic socialism, because it doesn't matter who you vote for when they control your uh, economic future. Okay, democratic socialism is a myth. Mm -hmm. Socialism is a government control of the means of production under Chavez and now Maduro. They stuck military generals and government bureaucrats in charge of Venezuela's oil company, Pitavisa. And what happened? Of course, they did not have the specific knowledge to run an oil company. That's why they're government bureaucrats, Joe. Mm -hmm. If they were oil people, they would have been in the oil business, not in the government business. Now what happened? Venezuela's oil economy collapsed completely precisely because the socialists thought they could run it when they couldn't. Right. You know, you know who produces more oil, Joe, now than Venezuela? North Dakota alone. <laughs> think about this, <laughs> brother. Good. Think about right. what I'm telling yeah. you. North Dakota alone produces more oil than the country with the largest oil reserves in the world. As a matter of fact, as they indicate in the Wall Street Journal piece, the United States has added added more production of oil last year than the total production of Venezuela in the entire country. Keep it up with the socialism. Nice job, Libs. Well done. (laughs) Big round of applause. Screwed up Massachusetts town. Claim lied to everybody about bringing pro-choice. Destroyed the Venezuelan economy and the oil business. You guys are running. By the way, these are just stories from yesterday. There's more. There's a lot more. Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, genius uh, liberal. Believe me, I'm using that term genius loosely. Andrew Cuomo, far left governor, radical far left governor of New York, came out yesterday panicking. It turns out one of the highest tax states in the union has just announced a $2.3 billion tax revenue shortfall. How's that, Armacost? I thought they higher taxes. How is it that they're still short on tax money? I thought higher taxes produced higher tax revenue. Um, apparently not. <laughs> there is a major shortfall in revenue in New York State as they increase taxes on people and propose new taxes on people because what happens? Mm-hmm. People don't want to pay those higher taxes. Bye, they yo. are fleeing the state. <laughs> yes, yeah. see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah. I am a former New York State resident. I grew up there. I love the people in New York. This right. is not a knock on you. Do not take it personal. My peeps are still in New York. So is portions of my heart. I mean it. I grew up there. 
Thought I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I'm a Queens kid. So is my wife. But ladies and gentlemen, what's happening to your state is an economic atrocity happening in live time. Now, it's not just that the constant tax hikes in New York are resulting in tax revenue shortfalls. It's the lying, scheming, conniving Andrew Cuomo's stated reason that I'm going to debunk instantly for you because expect to hear this from the left uh, coming soon. What does he say? Let me read from the piece first. Here's a quote from the piece. New York Post. So be in the show notes today, too, so please check it out. 1% of the state's top income earners provide 46% of the state's personal income tax revenue. What? One out of every 100 people in New York pays 46 cents of every tax dollar in New York. Ooh. What? That, That fair share... They're paying almost half. One out of every hundred people. Oh. Not ten. One. Oh. The top one percent in New York pay 46%, nearly half of the tax revenue, right? Mm. Cuomo said Albany can't go to the well and tax the wealthy again because that would only worsen the situation, citing anecdotal evidence that high-income New Yorkers are already fleeing the state to lower tax jurisdictions. Nice job, Libs. Well done oh. again. <laughs> Bye bye. Y'all come back now here. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. You have a liberal governor acknowledging now on the record that taxing people and confiscating more of their money is resulting in the same said people leaving the state. And yet we're still having this debate about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We need to tax people at a 70% rate. None of this. This is what I'm telling you by the, the, the Bertrand Russell Turkey problem. There is no amount of facts or data. This liberal governor is acknowledging his high tax policies are driving people out of the state. And yet he still, still well, does. he's going to, it doesn't matter. It, it's not going to change his behavior one bit. This is like snake Pliskin time. Remember snake Pliskin? Uh, yeah, Russell, you yeah. said, with the eye patch. So every escape from New York. If you haven't seen one of the greatest apocalypse movies of all time. Everybody's trying to be Snake Plissken. Right. They want to escape from New York. The governor, the radical far-left governor, acknowledges that the high taxes are doing this, and he continues to push the ball forward to radicalism. Right. Mm. None of this will get... They are immune to facts. Their skulls are 75 feet thick. There's <laughs> nothing you can say to these people. This is the turkey problem. Mm-hmm. This confirmation bias. They are constantly bombarded on Facebook and social media and amongst their clueless liberal friends with information that confirms their already pre-existing bias that's incorrect. High taxes will lead to prosperity. Apparently not. (laughs) They can't even rate their tax shortfall. Did you not see the headline Paula just put up? (laughs) She just put the headline up. You're not raising that money. People are leaving. But it gets better. Here's a quote from Cuomo. Radical liberal. I don't believe raising ta- I don't believe raising taxes on the rich. That would be the worst thing to do. You would just expand the shortfall. God forbid if the rich leave. <laughs> it's, folks, keep in mind, none of this matters. None of this matters. <laughs> this will not impact Ocasio-Cortez, Sanders, Warren, none of this. They will continue to move the ball forward on radical liberal stupidity despite one of their own 
Liberal acolytes, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, acknowledging now that people are leaving because they're not going to pay these rates. Bye now. I can't. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't, all I, I don't know what to do. Wait, this is an asymmetric battle. We have the facts on our side. They have the facts vaccine on their side. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> all right. Uh, one last commercial break. And I got, I've got some more of this. Don't go anywhere. I've got, some, I've got two more. Just entirely debunking liberal nonsense today. I woke up with a real bug to do this. All right. Today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at ExpressVPN. Hey, with all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where your data goes. We just talked about that. Perfect timing. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email uh, could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or internet provider. Not only can they record your browsing history, but they can sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your information. That's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. Again, super easy to use. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. That's key. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is your solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino for three months free and one year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino to learn more. It's a great company. Highly recommend. Okay. Um, here's a couple more, Joe. Uh, liberalism gone bad or gone mad, depending on how you want to frame it. Doesn't matter. Mad. Bad is mad for them. So what have we been told recently about the Trump economy, Joe? There have been uh, uh, sorry, silly liberals out there who have a tough yeah. time with reality uh, who have, are really trying to um, hammer the Trump economy because people vote their wallets, people vote at their kitchen tables, and when yeah. you're getting jobs and raises, it's very difficult in a reelect to vote against your continued prosperity. So liberals have been doing everything they can to try to hammer the Trump economy. But what they're saying is factually incorrect. Now, one of them I've heard creep up recently is this. Well, this is all short termism, folks. Short termism. It was a you, you'll hear this term a lot. It was a sugar high. The Trump tax cuts for the economy. Uh, we're not investing in our future. This is all short termism, sugar high stuff. It's all going to go away soon. And eh, that's not right either, folks. Wall Street Journal today cites a Goldman Sachs report. R&D spending. In other words, research and development. Mm -hmm. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, investment in our long-term economic growth. Long-term. Not short. Short-term, long-term. Research and development is a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. R&D as a percentage of our GDP, the only appropriate way to measure it, is at its highest since 1959. Don't let that get in the way of any of your dopey arguments, no liberals. So when your friends come at you with it, it was a sugar high. It was a sugar high, really, because research and development spending is the highest it's been since 1959. Does that sound like a sugar high or an investment in our long-term prosperity? I don't know. Just throwing that out there for you. Just throwing that out there for you. Curses foiled again. 
<laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of a stupid argument. Okay. Uh, another one. GDP growth. Ladies and gentlemen, GDP growth under Donald Trump is going to come in at 3% likely for 2017 when all the calculations are in and done. He is going to be the first president in now 10 years to reach that 3% GDP growth mark. Well, first president, actually longer than that because the last few few years of the Bush administration were, were horrible as well in terms of the economy. But folks, that timeline encompasses the entire Barack Obama administration. These are simple economic data points. Growth, GDP growth, how we measure our prosperity. Donald Trump is the first president since the Bush years. In other words, they skipped the Obama years. They hit 3% GDP growth. Now, you may say, I don't understand that term relatively speaking. Think about this. Barack Obama is the first president in modern American history in post-World War II economic history, the first president to never reach 3% GDP growth. That is a staggering number. Staggering. He is the first president to never reach the basic 3% GDP mark. Trump gets into office, boom, done right there. Right there. Another one, folks. What have liberals been telling you? And I'm laying this out in terms of what's going to happen at the State of the Union tonight as well, because I want you to be prepared. The State of the Union tonight is going to focus, I believe, heavily based on some of the information I'm reading on the border wall and the economy. You are going to have liberals tomorrow with their prepared focus group tested talking. Well, you know, growth has not been spectacular. Actually, it's higher than it ever was under the Obama administration. Well, short termism, actually, R&D investment, investment in our future is the highest it's been since 1959. Well, we need higher taxes, really, because Andrew Cuomo is you know, blaming higher taxes for the reason he's, uh, he's leaving. You know what? I got to finish up that thought. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. But I want to hit this final point, too. I, there's something about Cuomo I left out. Forgive me. They, what's their other talking point, Joe? Middle class wages are stagnant. Actually, no. January average hourly earnings are up 3.2%. Higher than the 2% at the end of the Obama administration. Again, is there any talking point you put out there that is actually based in facts? Or is this the turkey problem? Come on, turkeys, come on in. It's a, The weather's fine. The farmer's great. Off with your heads. This is the turkey problem. They all talk to each other yeah. in this elitist bubble of snobs, and they, 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 they're sitting in a circle looking at each other like it's one of these intervention meetings, and they're like, uh, did you hear that GDP growth is, is, is down? I heard that. Is, no, no mention of the fact that it's not true. It's up. Did you hear middle class wages are stagnant? I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Is it true? Nobody actually says this is true. It's like a, a, a circle jerk of idiots. Yeah. They just confirm their own stupidity. Wages are up. They are up. There are some predictions it's going to go up to about 4%. Wages are up, not down. The January average hourly earnings are up 3.2%. Did you miss that? Are you even interested in data? Does data, does it ever occur to you to actually focus on what the, 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 the facts and data are telling you? Or is it exclusively your domain to focus on liberal talking points, no matter how untrue they are? You know, I, I want on the Cuomo, I got to get to the Cuomo thing, but I just want to, just one quick story, folks. You know, I don't throw a lot of personal stories in here, but. Just to show you the confirmation bias amongst, lib- amongst liberal imbeciles. How a story spreads like wildfire. And mm-hmm. I'm always hesitant to even bring these things up. Because even bringing them up gives them too much credit. 
But Joe, when 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 I left, you know the story, of course. When I left NRA TV, where I was happy to work, I didn't resign. Right. Um, I was offered a nice contract by them. They were a great company. I enjoyed working for them. I did not resign. My contract ended December thirty first. Mm-hmm. Um, two disingenuous, lying reporters at the Daily Beast. One of them who texted me actually knew the story that I didn't resign. Uh, wrote a disingenuous article, kind of implying the fact that I was let go. The story's false. I'm, it's it's. I don't know how to say it, Joe. It's. I mean, of course you know the story. You're my friend, mm-hmm. but. And NRA TV put out a statement, um, a, a conclusive statement. There's no doubt that what would happen. There's no, there's no, now, the way it works, the only reason I bring this up, this just goes to show you how the Bertrand Russell turkey problems. So what happens then? They write the article. The article spreads around the, uh, the liberal ecosystem. I get a thousand emails. You got fired, idiot. Okay, whatever. I don't know what to tell you. You're just a moron. But it doesn't matter. Like they, 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 all they had to do was actually look at my Twitter feed where the statement was there. Mm-hmm. We made every effort to retain Dan. The statement's still there for anyone. To re- but it doesn't matter. And then what happens, Joe? Wikipedia, the left-leaning hack site, picks it up. And his contract was not renewed. No, it was renewed. I didn't renew it. This is not a complicated story. Again, I don't. I hate to beat you guys up with personal stories, but it goes to show you how it doesn't matter. Facts, they don't care. They are entirely irrelevant to the liberal left. Mm-hmm. I left. I didn't renew. They were nice people. I enjoyed working there. I didn't renew for other business reasons that should now become clear. It doesn't matter. Wiki- and then people send you the Wikipedia. Look, you got. It's just like this never-ending circle of stupid. You sit there all day with your head in your hands like, I say this to my wife. She's outside. She's listening. She knows. She doesn't like when I bring up personal stories, but this one's relevant. She, you know, we have an open floor plan at our house. So sometimes I'll be watching Fox and I'll be talking to my wife and like that. I'll get a tweet about that again. Like you were fired. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. These people are almost proud of their stupidity. They, rel- they bathe in it. And I'm warning you. I'm warning you. If you are a conservative activist who gains any kind of a profile or decides to run for office, or anything else gets an appointment in the White House, whatever it may be, I'm warning you this will happen to you too. Mm -hmm. It is the most frustrating exercise of my life in this conservative content sphere. The fact that if you're a conservative, harking back to yesterday's show, you have to be accurate all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you're a liberal, you have to be inaccurate all the time to get clicks because nobody cares about the truth. It is entirely, completely irrelevant. All right. Back to the Cuomo story. I missed something. One of Cuomo's, Andrew Cuomo, liberal radical governor of New York, one of his reasons he stated, which is hysterical, Joe, that the people are leaving is because the high taxes and he's blaming it on Donald Trump's tax cut plan. (laughs) Now, think about what he's saying, which is outrageous. He's saying that the salt limitation, the uh, the fact that you can't take state and local taxes and deduct them now Mm -hmm. in a high tax state is causing people, which it is, some people, I don't want to I don't want to downplay this. I mm-hmm. get a lot of emails from people from New Jersey and New York. And don't be upset at me, ladies and gentlemen. I grew up in New York. I paid those taxes. Joe's in Maryland now, another high tax state. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But those higher taxes are a result of the high local and state taxes you pay. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Trump tax cut plan at the federal level reduced the deductibility of those does not change the fact that you're still paying higher taxes in those states. It's the state law. I'm not downplaying the economic hardship paying higher taxes, nor am I advocating for it. I'm simply stating that if you live in a low-tax state, you don't have those problems. I know a lot of you can't move, and I'm not blaming you. I always get emails. People are upset at me. I'm just telling you the facts. 
The reason your taxes are high are because you pay high state and local taxes. Mm-hmm. That's what the SALT deduction was. But follow me here. Cuomo's logic here is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying now that people in New York, California, and elsewhere, Cuomo's saying in New York, have to feel the full impact of the state taxes he supports, they're leaving the state and costing them money. Joe, <laughs> stop. Listen, <laughs> please. As the audience ombudsman, this is critical. Yeah. Because liberal stupidity is hard to decipher. Oh, yes, the Cuomo yeah. translator is tough here. Think Ooh. about what he's saying. You used to be able to deduct mm-hmm. the ridiculously high tax bills you paid as a New York state resident mm-hmm. to the state and the city. You now can't deduct all of them and you have to pay the actual taxes they imposed upon you. Right. Because you have to pay the taxes they, the liberals in New York, opposed, imposed upon you, right. people are moving because they don't want to pay them, and yet Cuomo is blaming Donald Trump for the fact that the state can't raise a lot of tax revenue. Bizarro. 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 Yeah. It, 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 it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it's not just that it's bizarre. You're right. Yes, of course it's bizarre and it's stupid, but it's frustrating yeah. because somebody needs to raise their hand and say, mm. Governor Cuomo... You could solve this problem tomorrow. Joe, how could he solve this problem tomorrow? Mm-hmm. But by cutting taxes. Absolutely. That, am, I, am I crazy? Nah. Are you not getting this? Now nah, you're cool. Uh, okay, you're not, right? Nah. Uh, you're, you're getting this, this. You're not confused, right? No, 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 no. We're good with this one, baby. Governor <laughs> Cuomo could solve this problem tomorrow yeah. by simply cut, cutting the state and, yeah. and, and de Blasio, the communist mayor of New York City, by just cutting the taxes. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's just, this is not hard. No. Propose a tax cut for the state and local taxes and you won't have people fleeing the state because they don't like the actual taxes they have to pay. Is this, what are we missing? Joe, how, are we, how is this not breaking through? They could notice, Joe, nobody in Florida or Texas is complaining. No. Because we don't have a state tax here, an income tax. Nor do they have in Texas. Notice none of no one's complaining here because we don't have taxes. So therefore, there's no taxes to run away from. We have a sales tax and a, and a state corporate tax, mm-hmm. which are very manageable. <laughs> Dear Governor Cuomo, you could solve the problem tomorrow. My plea to Andrew Cuomo, get out of your liberal bubble, your fact isolation room. You know, <laughs> dude, you remember when John Kerry appeared in that bubble suit during the presidential campaign? I was thinking <laughs> that movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman, where they have the like the hantavirus or whatever breaks out, and Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo, they're in those bubble suits with the oxygen. This is Cuomo. He's in a fax bubble suit. And, and the oxygen they're pumping in are liberal talking points from NPR. He is totally isolated from the real world of facts and data by the blue bubble suit he's sitting there with the blue bubble gloves and and, 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 and the anti-fax oxygen tank pumped into his, uh, into his suit every day. Get out of the suit. Yeah. It's not outbreak. Facts are not a virus. Get out of the suit and realize what you just said. You want to solve New York State's problems, people fleeing your high taxes, cut the taxes. It's not hard. <laughs> that was a stack show today. We got a lot in. Yep. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I really, I woke up this morning with a bug. I get so annoyed at liberals. I had this just yearning to knock down all their nonsense in, in one show. 
Uh, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. It is free. If you are an iOS or iPhone user, just go to the podcast app, look up the Dan Bongino Show and subscribe. It helps us move up the charts. We really appreciate it. It is free. No worries. If you have Android, you can go to iHeartRadio or SoundCloud. You can click the follow button there. It is those subscriptions uh, that drive us up the charts. We really, really appreciate your support there. Thanks a lot, folks. I will see you all tomorrow with my State of the Union uh, recap, some coverage here, and I'll be on uh, Fox News later tonight, so be sure to check that out on The Hannity Show. See you all later. You just heard The Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud, and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.